Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. I won't ask any of you to raise your hands, but some of y'all will agree. Let me ask you this question, though, and be completely transparent because my hands are going to go up too. How many of you would say that if you had just a little bit more money, things would be a little bit better? Right? That's the truth. If I had just, I'm telling you right now, if I had, listen, if, if God could bless me with just about $500 a month more, Lord Jesus, I'd feel like Donald Trump. Just, just 500 more, that's all I want. If you do 550, that's the icing on the cake. Honestly, we all have that. Why? You know why y'all said that? Because that little bit more is a C word. And that, that little bit more is contentment. If I had just a little bit more, I could put a little bit away. I could even take my family on vacation. If I had just a little bit more, I won't have to worry about this. If I had just a little bit more, I could do whatever. If I had just a little bit more, all of us have that because we want this thing called Contentment. Now, contentment and security are two different things. I know some of y'all are like, no, I just want security. Well, security gives you contentment, but contentment is the ultimate goal that we all want. We want contentment. I don't want to be worried about money. I don't have to, I don't want, I want to be able to say no to some work. I, I, I'm not in a position right now. I mean, there are jobs. People call me. I'm still a musician. People call me to do some stuff. I don't want to do it, but I got to do it. I mean, like somebody called me today saying, brother, can you play your bongo drums in a clown suit? I'm like, man, how much you paying? $50. All right, I'll take it. I don't have the option. I got kids. I don't got the option. You know, they want me to. Listen, I won a breakdance contest the other day. I got a free weekend stay in a hotel for that. Hey, I got to make it happen. Y'all think I'm joking? I got the video to prove it. It wasn't sexy, but I won, and we got a free weekend hotel. I was like, there's summer vacation. <laughs> Just a little bit more. There's a song out that says, I need a little more Jesus. I said, I need just a little more money. All right, let me move on. If, if, you, if you join me real quick, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 10, starting with 10, follow me with me here. And I'm going to share my first point with you after I read this real quick. Starting with verse 10. Check this out. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. And do you all know that contentment will easily make the corners of your mouth turn upward? 
Am I right about it? Contentment will make the corners of your mouth go like this. And, and, and we think that contentment is synonymous with happiness. I'm happy. I ain't, I ain't got nothing to worry about. I got money in the bank. I got money in my pocket. The kids can, 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 can I can enroll them in anything they want to do. Do you know that's the most heartbreaking thing to tell your kids? Listen, I know you want to play baseball, but we just don't have it in the budget. Baby, baby, I know you need these lessons, but we just don't have it in the budget. Let's go to YouTube. Yeah, I know that's not the same, right? That's so heartbreaking. But, but, but sometimes we have to do that because it's like, you take this lesson or do you want to eat? I need just a little bit more. And, and watch this. This is what he's saying. He's saying, watch this. He's saying, those who love money will never have enough. And in this country, this beautiful free land that you and I have the privilege of calling our land, America, a capitalist society, we cannot help but love money. Why? Because our bill collectors love money. Can I, can I, can I talk Frankly here this morning, can I be transparent? We love money because our bill collectors love money, and we can't help but love money because if we pay them, then we know we're going to have what we need, so we love money. I'm not talking about money to just go out there and get the red-bottom shoes. No, 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 I'm not talking about that kind of money. I'm talking about money just to pay the bill collector who loves money. And this is why we love money. This is why we love money. Here's the first point I want to share with you about money. The first thing, money causes problems. That's the first note. Let's get that out the way. Money causes problems. And I want to share with you real quick five ways that money causes problems. Five ways that money causes problems. Are you with me? The first way that money causes problems is that there's never enough. Those who love money will never have enough enough. Those who love money will never have enough. One of the richest men ever in America was a man by the name, one of America's first billionaires, was a man by the name of John D. Rockefeller, an oil tycoon. Let me say that again. The wealthiest man in America, the Mer- America's first billionaire ever. They did an interview with him, and they says, Mr. Rockefeller, because he's got all the money in the world in the eyes of those people he was around at the time. Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? I mean, you got all of it. You've got enough. And you know what Mr. Rockefeller said in this interview? You can find it for yourself. Google it. You'll see it. I promise. It's a true story. He said, just a little bit more. Brother, you got all the money. You got it all. But just a little bit more. You know why he said just a little bit more? Because there was a certain lifestyle that he had set up for himself. There's a certain amount of income flux that he wanted to see coming into his account all the time. There was competition that was on the rise. And so I need a little more. Why? I want to always be the richest man in the land. I want to always be the one that got the most money. I want to always be the one that gets the, I want to be the first person in line to get that iPhone 7. Okay. I want to be the first one to have them new J's. 
I, I got to have it. I want to be the first one to build a brand new house in that brand new subdivision because I know if it's the first house in the first phase, then I'll get the most equity from the rip. I want to be the first. And John D. Rockefeller says a little bit more because I want to always be the richest man. That's a big deal to me. I want to always be the one that people talk about and going on in history. I want to be the one. Let me share something from Forbes' richest 400 list. Watch this. The most remarkable research is one done between the world's richest and the world's poorest. Watch this, y'all. This is, an, this is crazy about money. Watch this. There's never enough. Watch this. They did this research between the world's richest and the world's poorest. Forbes 400 Riches List was given a survey, and their satisfaction was rated at exactly the same level as did the people of the Maasai of Kenya. Let me break that down. So the Forbes Richest 400, they did this survey. They said, hey, how satisfied are you with your money right now? I mean, how much satisfaction has your wealth given you? And so they took this survey. And then they also asked, and then they, they, they did these surveys of all of these indigenous people, people who didn't have running water. Watch this. People who didn't have electricity, people didn't, who didn't have a change of clothes every day. They did this same survey. They asked them about their satisfaction with their money. Watch what you find. Check this out. This is interesting. The richest people, people who had all the money, the 400 richest, their satisfaction with where they were in their life was equal to people who don't have running water. In other words, they were at the same happiness level. Wait a minute, but you got all that money. What's wrong with you? If I had all that money, how many of y'all know y'all would say that? If I had all that money, I would. If I had all that money, I would plead. If I, please, please. And the truth is, once you have all of that money, there's a whole lot more people you got to pay. Once you have all that money, you are in a different tax bracket. Once you have all that money, you suddenly attract new friends or old ones. Family members you ain't even know you had come out the woodwork talking about, I need. And you're compassionate. Oh, you're going to give because now you're the savior for your family. Nobody has seen wealth like this in your family, so let me be the savior. I'm going to pay everybody's college tuition, and you'll be like the lottery winners broke. That's going to be my, my, my next point, by the way. Isn't that amazing that people who don't have running water, regular you, you, uh, electricity, are just as happy and satisfied with their lives as people who have all the money in the world. The focus is different. The focus is, is, is totally different. Let me tell you, the first problem with money, there's never enough. Money cannot buy happiness. We think that if I have money, I can get everything I want and I'll be happy for a season. You will be. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, few more dollars, yeah, you'll be happy as soon as that, listen, you get a raise tomorrow, that's your few more dollars. You celebrate. Y'all going out to, y'all going to Red Lobster. And listen, don't even get the special. Get off the regular menu. <laughs> Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all ain't couponing no more. Life is good for that season. But then it's over. 
and you want another raise. You've been busting your butt. You've been doing 48 hours. That's not enough. And you get another raise. Oh, man, we're going, we going to celebrate again. We ain't going to Red Lobster this time. We're going to Justin's. Oh, we're stepping it up now. And each time, you still need more. In other words, there's never any amount of money that's going to satisfy you. Why? Because money cannot buy happiness. It's seasonal. It's temporal. It goes away. Here's the second point I want to share with you. The other problem with money, it attracts the wrong things or the wrong people. I like being broke sometimes. Yeah, I would like a few more dollars. But people stop asking me money, asking me for money because I'm like, I'm broke. Matter of fact, let me borrow a couple of dollars. I ain't got no money. I know you see on TV pastors that, that want jet planes and stuff. I'm not saying they remain nameless. That's not me. I asked for a hubcap and got that for Christmas. Hallelujah. There is a God who sits on high in his... All right, I'm going to stop right there. I got my hubcap. I don't want jet planes. I tell people all the time, contrary to what you believe, pastors are poor. Don't think I got money. So people stop asking me for money. And I says, thank you, God, for this. Now nobody asks me for money. But Lord, let me get a little bit of money. How many of y'all, y'all know what season it is, right? It's tax season, and I like, uh, I like Instagram. And so they have these different memes. <laughs> and uh, they, somebody said, I saw something that says, cuffing season because it's tax season. And I'm like, well, what is cuffing? I need to understand that part first. I guess that's when you get booed up and you kind of, you know, you, you, you're no longer single. All of a sudden, it's tax season and you, your boyfriend come around. That's what the meme was saying. It's like, yo, I'm getting, I got money. All of a sudden, you see, you see your baby daddy, you see your boyfriends. <laughs> it's cuffing season because it's tax season. But I didn't understand cuffing. I was like, well, well, let me understand the cuffing part. What is that? I'm trying to understand the lingo. And it's true. All of a sudden, people y'all ain't talked to in several years, they know it's this tax season. It's hard for you to say I ain't got no money because they know you got a couple kids and you're getting some kind of return. So, they, hey, how you doing? I know it's been since like last Christmas in 2013, but I was just thinking about you because I know it's tax season. I know you might be getting some money back. Real talk, new friends. It's, it's that season again. God forbid you pull up in a, in a new car because it's that season, and they think, oh, man, you really got some money. Yeah, you got a new whip? Yeah, you got, you got some money. You came up on something. It attracts the wrong things. Watch this. Money attracts evil things within us. It attracts things within us to want more. I got money now, so, so now I can go. I already have a 42-inch, but there's a new 52-inch and I may be way off. They probably already got that. I think it's a 60 they're up to. So you got a 50. It's like, oh, I got money. Why not get the 60 for my apartment? You, 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 money attracts the wrong things. Let me share something with you. Let me tell you how I know money attracts the wrong things and the wrong people. Let me read the scripture real quick. This is really good. This is funny. Then I'm going to share something with you. Watch this. Ecclesiastes 5.11. The more you have the more people come to help you spend it. That's the Bible. That ain't me. This is Solomon. The more money you have, the more people come around to help you spend it. Hey, let's go out and have lunch. And you paying. You ain't even know that. You's like, I'll go. And then all of a sudden, like, I forgot my purse, my wallet. Uh, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. So what good is wealth? 
except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. Money causes us to buy stuff we don't need. Can y'all guess what the largest commercial part of the commercial industry business, the fastest growing part of commercial industry business is right now today? I'll share with you. You don't have to jump into it. Right now, apartments, the apartment uh, industry is growing. But before that, do you know what it was? Storage units. Have you noticed that storage units are going up all over the place? There was a, think about it. If I was to ask Gerald or somebody, somebody else, was, if, uh, do they remember a time where there were this many storage units around? I guarantee they'll say, no, no. It wasn't that, it was some, but not this many. Because storage units were, per, per, you know, uh, uh, reserved for corporate America. People who did like uh, corporate transfers and things like that, you were in transition for your corporation. But now storage units have gotten to the place, because I watch the show all the time, Storage Wars. I know y'all do too, right? And, and so now it's gotten to the place where we buy so much stuff that we have to pay rent to store the stuff that's out of date and no longer in style. Am I talking to anyone today? We have so much stuff that money told us, you know what, you need to have this. You got to have it. You, you, if you don't get it, they're going to laugh at you. If you don't get it, you're not going to be cool. So you got to get it. All right, I got to get it. So you get all this stuff that you don't need, right? It goes out of season, and you don't want, you're so stingy, you don't want to give it away. You're not going to sell it because you're just not gifted. So you say, you know what, let me rent storage so I can save it because maybe I can pass it on. That's crazy to me. We already have, listen, our, the average size of a new home today, the average size of a brand new three-bedroom, two-bath house is over 1,800 square feet. That's the average. The average. Townhouses are even average, 1,800. That's the average, 1,850 to be honest with you. Do you know what the average size of a large home was back in like 1960-something, 1970-1980-something? Far less than that. And that was plenty enough room. When did we get to the point where our kids had to have their own bedrooms? How many of you shared a bedroom with a sibling in here? Wow! Look at the hands go up. But our kids got to have their own room. I'm guilty. I'm preaching to myself. Come on now. I'm preaching to me. Broderick, you getting this? Yeah, I got it. You preaching, Doc. Thank you, man. It attracts the wrong things and the wrong people. And, and I get it. You know why? Because we want our kids to have better than we had when we were growing up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it really better? <laughs> Somebody answered that. You didn't have to, but it's not because we're training them to do the same thing and want more. The average size of a house when they grow up will probably be 2,500 square feet or more. That's the average. That's going to be small. You know, your friends be like, oh, you got a 2,500 square foot house? You need to step it up. You live in a shack. You better step it up. Money tells us that we need more, we need bigger, we need better. We need faster. Fast food started here in America. We're always in a rush to go somewhere to make money because if I don't get there to make money, somebody's going to make that money before me and I need that money. Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. It's all about money. And I look at Instagram and I see that all the time. Stacks this, and it's all about the money. Uh, I saw a picture uh, of uh, 
they had two stacks. It was like with boo, there was a stack. Without boo, there was still a stack. I'm like, it's not about money. Everything is about money, 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 money. And it said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It didn't just say evil, all kinds. You track all kinds of evil. And money tells us that we need to, to buy stuff, to rent storage space, to buy more stuff. Wow. Here's a third point I want to share with you about a money problem. It causes major anxiety. Money causes major anxiety. People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. That's Ecclesiastes, y'all. That's not Broderick. That's Ecclesiastes 5.12. People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. It's funny. I have friends from all over, and, and even here in America, we have this thing called CP time. We're not going to say what it is, but y'all know what it is, right? Because people are always late. But there's another thing in the Caribbean, also CP time, Caribbean people time. And so when I was in Haiti or whenever I went to Puerto Rico, you know, it's like, hey, man, when, when are they coming to pick us up so we can go wherever we're going? And they're like, um, they'll be there in the morning. What time in the morning? Just in the morning. Why? Because they're getting sleep. Why? Because they work hard during the day. At night, they're sleeping. They're not on a schedule. Everything is, you know, one of the things they say in Jamaica, everything is iry. Everything is all right. What are you rushing for? You're going to miss life. You're going to miss the beautiful things that God has created for us to enjoy because you're rushing. You're, 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 you're rushing. Whereas we're rushing to make money. We're missing out on quality time with our wives, our husbands, quality time with our children. Why? Because we're rushing. People, people often used to beat my wife up a little bit because, you know, I'm not ashamed to say my wife was the breadwinner. In other words, she made, she made more money than me. I worked. You know, ain't, ain't never going to be a day where I don't work. That's just who I am. I, I knock down walls. I take out trash. Listen, I'm going to work. I, 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 don't, I can't afford the luxury of not working. I got kids. So I don't care what a bag, groceries, that's me. I'll do it. Security guard, man, I'm a flashlight you like nobody's business. I was good at what I did. Huh? Had a lot of jobs. But my wife, who was the breadwinner, made very good money. I made very good money as a musician traveling. But my wife decided early on that she wanted to homeschool. And so she left her very cushy job to homeschool. It's about prioritizing what's important. The biggest investment you'll ever make is not with money, but with your time. And the best time you can invest is into your children. It was a very, very tough decision. It, but you know what? I'll tell you what, we struggled. The money wasn't there, but man, our family is, wow. You're talking about happy? We're the happiest we've ever been without money. I'm afraid to make some. You know, God, just because I said I want 500 more, I might get it by the end of the day. That's just how God works. And I'd be like, no, I was just playing, God, because I don't want that joy to be gone because now we got money. We want another car so bad. We're a one-car family. And I was like, man, we need, you know, we both so busy. I need to be here. You need to be there. But then I think about all these times where if my wife has to be at a meeting, I have to be at a meeting, we get so much quality time in the car. We have literally, we have church meetings in the car. 
We have prayer in the car. We have our deepest and most intimate conversations in the car. We have hallelujah moments in the car as a family, and it's so beautiful. And, and like a couple times a, a month or something, I might have to go out of town or rent a car, and it just don't feel the same. I'm like anxious to return the car because I like our new normal where we're one car family. And I didn't grow up in a household where we had multiple cars. We had one car with a whole bunch of people with licenses. You know, and and in my family, you know, I'm Puerto Rican. At one point, there were like 10 grown people in one house. And we all shared a celebrity, a Chevrolet celebrity. Y'all remember that little car they made? We shared it. It was like, yo, we should have wrote a schedule or something, you know. If you had a date, you got to figure it out. You want to hang out with your homeboys, well, they got to get their car. I mean, literally, we were sharing one car, but it worked. Nobody complained. We, lived, we slept in bunk beds. I mean, when I say grown, I'm like 18 or whatever. But what I'm saying is we, it was not a problem, never a problem, never a problem. And here it is. Money causes great anxiety so much that people can't sleep economically challenged people. Y'all know what poor people or economically challenged people worry about? This is what we worry about. We worry about having enough. That's all we worry about. I want to make sure I have enough to pay the light, to pay the phone, pay the cable, get some groceries. I just want to have enough. Sustainability. Rich people. One of the, this is what rich people worry about. Rich people worry about keeping the stuff they possess, maintaining it. Their anxiety is different. I've got, a, I've got a Mercedes with this kind of note. I've got to make sure I can afford that. I've got a million-dollar house. That's a $6,000-plus-a-month mortgage. I've got, I got to worry about that. I've got family members that, that are very wealthy. But when, when I talk to them, I mean, that's like what the conversation starts off with. They've got beautiful home, million-dollar home. They're like, hey, I've got to pay this. I've got kids in college. I've got this. I've got this. I've got money, 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 money. And it's like, are you headed toward retirement at any point soon? There was a point where we could retire. Now we can't. Everybody's working. Why? Because we created a lifestyle that money told us we had to, and it causes major anxiety. Watch this. Those that get paid the most are those that have to worry the most. So let me break it down so y'all can understand it. Whoever that person is in this room that wants a promotion, they're going to pay you to worry. You getting paid more money to worry more. You get that promotion, you're worrying about more people. You get that promotion, you're worrying about more money for the person who's at the top who wants to make sure that that money comes in. The person who gets paid the most has to worry the most. The entrepreneur who owns his own company has to worry the most. He's got to be the one to pay the taxes, pay staff salaries, pay his own salary, take care of the insurance and the liability. The person who makes the most worries the most. So all of us in this room who have a job, we're getting paid to worry. I know you're there. You think you have a task, and you're proud when your boss says, hey, listen, you know you're doing so well. I want to put more responsibility on you. You know what he's saying is I want to put more worry on you. You're doing so well, let me put more worry on you. Don't not, listen, don't go, don't get fired on my account. I'm just trying to teach y'all something. It's just wisdom. Remember, this is the book of wisdom. Now, what you do with it is on you. (laughs) Just don't point back to me. You know, your boss come, pastor, you've been telling my people. No, no, I'm not telling them nothing. I'm just preaching the Bible, brother. Take that up with Jesus. Really, we're getting paid to worry, and we're driving ourselves insane trying to make someone else rich. 
Amen? It's fourth point, fourth point, fourth point. I got to go. I got I got a few more things I got to get into you. Money is uncertain. Money is uncertain. That is so true. Ecclesiastes 5, 13, 14. There is another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Watch this. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. Man, y'all remember this cat a couple years ago, uh, Bernie Madoff? Woo! People have so much money tied up in there, that brother. They felt they could never come from up under it. They jumped off buildings. People had so much money tied into his investments, they literally said, I can never come from up under it. I'm going to kill me and my family. Money is uncertain. And when we put all of our money into risky investments, watch this. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, 501c3. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, uh, fidelity investments. It does, no. Shady investments could be giving money to family. Shady investments could be, could be putting money to something that's not going to produce a return on your investment. It could be enrolling your kid in something that's just a waste of money. It could be, it could be you think that, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my kid to a private school and your kid still comes out a crackhead. No offense to anybody, but it happens. We don't know. The only thing, the safest investment we could ever make is to invest in God. That's the sure bet, baby. That's the sure bet. That's the safest investment in the world. I know God has got my back. I know what God is going to do. I know his return on my investment, and it is good. It was promised to me in Jeremiah 29, 11. It is good. I can put everything in Jesus. I can roll the dice and know at the end it's a win every single time. The best investment, the safest and securest investment is the investment into God Almighty. Nothing else is guaranteed. That's the best one. That's the best investment. Wow, that's good. Watch this. Wall Street Journal. Well, no, that's the next point. I'll get to that. I'm sorry about that. Y'all ever see the, the lottery winners? The lottery ruined my wife. Anybody watch that show? Y'all can tell I watch a lot of reality TV. I'm sorry. I have a lot of downtime sometimes. But when I do, I like binge on reality TV. And I watch this show. The lottery ruined my, my life. And, man, I watch these people literally, you know, They've been investing every, every, you know, every day, taking it, you know, hard workers. Some people worked at, 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 at you know, sanitation companies. Other people, you know, they work, they work labor jobs. You know, they, they're making minimum wage. And so they take that little bit of money and they go and they invest in the lottery every day, just thinking one day I might, I might hit it. And then these people win. Do you all know that the average lottery winner, watch this, they're broke within their very first year. They, watch this, they end up worse than how they started before they even had the lotto. They end up worse. They thought that if I just hit the lottery, I get the multi, the mega million or the, the whatever they call right now, man, life is going to be so much better. And here's what I know, that if God blessed any of us in this room today with a lump sum of money that we've never had the responsibility of managing before, if we don't get the right type of them, uh, people giving us wisdom, We'll be just like the lottery winners. 
People say all the time, I was having, you know, at our men's group, we were having a conversation, and, <laughs> and we were talking about uh, the, 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 how expensive the houses are going to be, townhouses, uh, how expensive they're going to be by the, the new stadium, the Brave Stadium. I says, man, I wouldn't, I don't even, you know, if I had the money, and this is a true statement, if I had the money, I, would, I don't think I would even want that. I don't, I don't want that. No, no, that's because you don't have the money. No, it's because I've, tra- I've had the money. <laughs> I've had it to where I could afford that kind of house. And I know what it's like to have to have that anxiety that comes with that amount of money. I don't like that anxiety. I don't like that stress. I don't like arguing with my wife about money. I'd rather her argue with me because I left my stinky socks on the floor again. Or, or because I took the laundry out and didn't fold it. I like those kind of arguments because I can work through that. I don't want to argue about money. I don't. Marriage is ruined because of money. That's not the kind of fight I want to have with my wife. And, and, and so, so I don't want the expensive house because I know the anxiety that comes with it. I, I know what comes with having that type of stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. And, and here's why you see so many athletes and entertainers that go from living in the projects, eating ramen noodles every day, to now having a personal and private chef and then end up flat broke. We're not, you, if you're not used to managing that kind of lifestyle, if you're not used to handling that kind of money and it comes to you suddenly, it's gone like that. We party, we help. Listen, we got to help our homeboys. If we don't, that's like against everything from the hood. You ain't going back there no way. Forget them. <laughs> I don't care. I ain't going back there. Forget the hood. I'm out. I made it. Deuces. <laughs> Real talk. But we, we got to help the hood. I got to help the hood. Man, listen. <laughs> you should have practiced like I was practicing. Should have worked as hard as I did. Tell you what. I, I, I'll buy all your books for your first semester in college if that's what you want to do. But I'm not going to hire you to be my accountant. Why are y'all laughing? That happens. This is why they go broke. This is why a lot of these cats do that. This is why MC Hammer, <laughs> he hired all of Oakland. People were like, I'm your cousin. Okay, cool. You got a job. They ain't his cousin. This is what happened. So, okay, I, I went too long on that point. But the bottom line is, Money is uncertain. All of us would say, if I had that money, ooh, I would do. And the truth is, you would do what they did. All of us would. Today, I would. I'm just saying, I'm just not that smart. I would hope to do the right thing, but I would lose it. It's easier to just gain it gradually, earn it each step of the way, and manage it along the way. Okay, I got I to gotta go to the next point. Here's the fifth point about money. And then I got two other points on, on I'm wrapping. Money causes problems. Here's the fifth problem that money causes. Ready? We want it. We want to get it. We want to grasp it. We want to fill our bank accounts. We want to fill our coffers with money. But guess what? Here's the one promise that I know. We all going to die. Am I right about it? Ain't going to be no room in your grave for all that money you accumulate. It's not. And what's going to happen is you're going to have all this money that you accumulate, and you're going to leave your family fighting for it. That's what money's going to do for you. Because you can't take it with you, your family's going to be fighting over it. You just divided your family in death. And even if you have it in writing, even if you have a will, even if you have it spelled out, they're going to be beefing about it. Somebody's going to get in your ear and say, you don't need to do that kind of funeral. They did. They don't know if you changed the rules. 
Am I right about it? I've seen far, listen, I've done so many funerals and I've seen families divided over them in the end. I've seen families fall apart over a darn picture of Big Mama. I'm very serious. The money we accumulate cannot go in that grave with us. You can't take it with you. Watch this. Watch this. Ecclesiastes 15, 5, 15, and 17. Watch this. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the way we were born. We come in here just like we were born. We can't take our riches with us, and this too is a very, very serious problem. People leave this world no matter, no better than when they came. Very true. You're going to die naked You're gonna, the same way you came, the same way you're going to leave. That's a very true statement. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. The word says this. There's a quote that says this. He who dies with the most toys still dies. He who dies with the most toys that your money accumulated, that your money got for you, you still going to die. And them toys will still be left. And God forbid you owe anything on them toys because now your family's got to pay for them toys that you bought while you were yet living. The, the moral of the story is money causes problems. Watch this. I want to read something that was written in the Wall Street Journal several, several years ago. It says, the money, it was an article about money. And this is what they said. This is in the Wall Street Journal, y'all. This is deep. The Wall Street Journal says this. Money is an article which may be used as a universal passport to everywhere except heaven and as a universal provider of everything except happiness. The Wall Street Journal, the money paper, the paper that tells you about the best investments to make, the safest investments, tells you that money is going to get you. You can go wherever you want with money. You can do whatever you want to do with money. But the one place it won't get you is heaven, and the one thing it can't buy you is happiness. Stop chasing it, y'all. I love people. I'll I, I be laughing at people saying about paper chaser. Yeah, man, I'm a God chaser, homeboy. That's what I'm chasing after. That's the only guarantee. You can chase paper all you want, you know, but I'm a God chaser. Why do wealthy people get depressed? You think, you wonder that? You ever wonder that? Why, why do they get depressed? Why do these rich people get so depressed? I wonder that sometimes. Here's your answer today. Because they hoped in something that was ultimately hopeless. They hoped in their investments. They hoped in their money. They hoped in the wrong dead person. And that dead person that they hoped in was a dead president. But the hope needs to be in a dead person who died so that you and I may have eternal life. The hope needs to be in a person who died and was actually resurrected. See, those dead presidents ain't going to never come back. But Jesus did. We invest in the wrong type of hope. Here's the second point I want to get you to about money. Money doesn't bring satisfaction. Satisfaction comes from God. We'll never be satisfied with money. I remember I used to watch the commercial Snickers Satisfy, and I tried that one day. I was really hungry and bought a Snickers because that was what my money could buy that day, and I was not satisfied. I said, I'm going to need about two or three more of these to satisfy me. And that's what money does, right? Money, we, if we have a little bit more, we still won't be satisfied. That little bit more ain't going ain't to meet all of our needs. Just a little bit more than the little bit more that we just got blessed with will do better. 
But then even that little bit more ain't going to be enough. The richest man in the land, the first American billionaire, said himself, all the money he had in the world, how much is enough, Mr. Rockefeller, sir? Just a little bit more. And I guarantee that man died unsatisfied. I guarantee that man died unsatisfied. All these buildings and things named after him, he, he, he didn't see that. He died before a lot of this stuff, before his legacy was created. Think about it. He didn't see all of these things. He wanted to, but he couldn't. If he had just paused and somebody said, you know what, all you need is Jesus, man. You know what, check, check this out. Take that money you got and invest it somewhere else. Satisfaction comes from doing good. Watch this. I've told you all about my friend, and, 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 and Sam and I have hung out with him. Man. He's such a great guy. He's a Christian guy. He's got tons of money. He won't let you know that, though. I know that because I know the business. He owns a very lucrative business, a very, very safe business, a, a, very, a, a business that he's going to always make some money. He's got good money. And you know what? When I talked with him and, and Sam and I hung out with him, a uh, long time ago, he said to me, he says, you know, Broderick, my goal is to make $10 million. I was like, man, why 10 mil, bro? I mean, you could, you could, 20, 30. He said, I just want to make 10 mil so that I can tithe one mil. His goal was not to make the money just for himself. He wanted to be able to one day literally sign a check over to his local church for $1 million. His goal was not to make the money to buy a bigger house in California where he lives. His goal was not to make money to go to, uh, to do a month-long trip around the world. He wants to make money to do more stuff. That heart, you cannot buy that kind of character. You cannot buy that kind of heart. You cannot, you listen, that is something ingrained in you. And I know friends, I have friends right now that, 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 that have great companies. A friend of mine has a media company. He's making crazy money right now. But he refused, well, I think he just bought, his wife made him. But uh, he, just, he just moved out of his townhouse in, in, in Atlanta, not in the nice part of Atlanta, where his mortgage was like $400. I'm like, bruh, you got all this money, man. And, and, and you're doing so well, man. Your business is doing it. And he told me, man, and this, this brother's younger than me. I mean, this kid is so smart. He ates the SATs. I mean, he's just, he's like a genius. He's younger than me, but he's like my mentor. I'll never tell him that unless he listens to this podcast, he'll know. But he's like my mentor. And he says this, he says, man, this business can crash tomorrow. And then if I get this expensive house and I go out and buy expensive cars and, and I get all of these, these, these different memberships to these, these clubs that they want me to join, I, I'm still on the hook for those things, whether the business floats or not. He says, I'd rather do this and then all that extra money, I'll invest the He's paid kids tuition to college. No joke. He's a Morehouse grad himself. He's paid for books. He's paid for p- people to go to like business school you know, he's invested, I'll be transparent, he's invested into this church. That's just the type of cat he says, I'd rather take all of this surplus and do something good for somebody else. Wow, isn't that what, what it's all about, y'all? Uh, yeah, y'all, y'all like, nah, if I get that money, man, I'm going to get something to the church. I mean, that's just the right thing to do. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I tell my wife all the time, and she She's anti it. I said, I would love, love to buy a house 
like uh, in the Caribbean. I love Haiti. Haiti's one. I'm from, my family's from Puerto Rico, but I love Haiti. Haiti is just so beautiful to me. It's just gorgeous to me. And I've been in the rough parts in northwest Haiti. It's so beautiful and wonderful. And I said, I would love to buy some land here. Because you can have the beach here, but right there on the beach, you also have these beautiful mountains like right there. It's gorgeous and, and just virgin beach. And I says, I would love that, baby. And we get us a couple goats and some chickens, maybe one cow, and just live off the land. And, and I was like, you, you know, you got this gardening thing down. My, y'all know my wife. She's like, not with this wife. <laughs> She's like, no, but I'm like, I, that's like my biggest dream. I fantasize about that all the time, doing that. I mean, I wouldn't leave Mosaic. I'm just saying I'd be like an extra house or something like that. But honestly, I just, just to live off the land where I'm not worried about money because I know this, as long as I'm here in this country, I'm going to worry about money. Why? Because my culture says I have to. If I want to survive, if I want to make it, if I just want to just have the bare minimum, I've got to have some money. I have to have some money. Here, 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 here. I want you all on your, on your time. I want you guys to read Ecclesiastes 5, 18, and 20. And, and, and then uh, check this out. Here's where contentment is. Paul tells us. Here's the secret. He tells us his big secret in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Mind you, he's saying this while he's in jail, y'all. He's saying this while he's in prison. I've learned to be content with whatever I have, including where I'm sitting right now in jail. I know how to live on almost nothing, which he was doing at this moment, or with everything which he had because he was a a Pharisee, right? I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything, not through Paul, not through myself, not through my own pedigree. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He's in jail and saying, I'm content. He's in jail, y'all. I'm content. And that's what we need to be. Here's the third point, and then our our team is going to come. Money cannot resolve our discontentment. Money cannot resolve our discontentment. Write this down on your notes real quick. I want y'all to do this. Do this on your own time, and I got to wrap it here. Watch this. Go to this site called globalrichlist.com. Go to this site. I want y'all to check this out. Globalrichlist.com. Nobody has to see it except for you. And what I want you to do in there, you don't have to report this to me. I just want you to see for yourself. Put your current salary on there. How much you make, even if it's weekly, monthly, annually, put your current annual salary. Even if you don't, you know, if you're not working, maybe you're retired, whatever. Put whatever kind of income you got annually in there and then see how it compares to the rest of the world. It'll jack you up. Because right now I'm sitting in a room full of wealthy people, including myself. Here's what I know. If I make $21,000 a year, I'm in the... I'm in the 3% of the world's wealthiest people based upon income. If I make just $21,000 a year, I am in 3% of the world's wealthiest people based upon income. Didn't know that, did you? Some of y'all make way more than that. You'll find out you might be in 1%. You might be in the top 0.5%, I don't know, based upon your salary. But check that out, and it'll it'll change things. I want to say this. Most people in this world, not in this country, in this world, live off of less than $2 a day. But here's what I know. When I've traveled to Haiti and I've done work in Haiti, these people were the most welcoming and giving people. I mean, I promise you, I went to a house. They didn't have chairs. They had like, like little uh, crate, 
and they, and they put that crate out for me, and they prepared the most delicious meal I had had in a long time. They're very happy. They're very welcoming. They're, they're very prideful about what God has given them. It's not a lot, but they take great pride in what it is because they know that no matter how much money I make, that's still not going to make me happy. But tell me more about this guy you're talking about named Jesus. How did he do? Did he have some of the stuff Americans have? That's the question they, I'm literally, they, I've been asked that. Did Jesus, people who've never heard of Jesus, did he have what Americans have? Is he like what I see you all have? And I have to answer that honestly and say, no. He was a carpenter. You know how you build your house? That's what Jesus would do. Build houses, build furniture. That's what he was. Now his family line, you go further enough back, they were rich. But his immediate family, they weren't poor. They were just Okay. And we got to stop giving this false in person or this, this false image of who Jesus is based upon our lifestyle. People are watching all across the world, y'all. They are. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.